I'm going to talk to you here about something that has been on my heart for some time, and by the help of the Lord, I want to uh, show you that you and I are a very privileged and special people, and God has granted us a time by which we might achieve the things that we are to achieve in this life and in this world before he comes back or before our time has ended in this world. Praise God. And I've, uh, I've entitled it God's Allotted Time. If you'll turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. <clears throat> this is a... And this, I just have the first verse mentioned here because it says it all in the first verse, but it goes down through verse 8. Uh, look at verse 1, Ecclesiastes 3, 1. Do everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. And then it goes on to say in verse 2, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, time to weep, time to laugh, a time to mourn, time to dance and go on. It goes right on down. And then it comes on down to the verse 8, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, a time of peace. And it just about covers everything in life. And then over in verse 17, it sort of repeats what was said in verse 1. And it says, I said in mine heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. <clears throat> so when everything has been done in this life, there will come a time in which God says, all right, it's time now to judge the world and judge the wicked from the righteous and the righteous from the wicked and etc. So I'm pointing out to you here that God has given us an allotted time. You and I have an allotted time that God has granted us by which we might do all things and that we might be saved and know him and walk with him and so forth. I'm going to go to the second verse that I have in the, over, the upper head, the over... Uh, the top of the page here, I should say. And that's in Revelations 2.21. And it, this is a very interesting verse of Scripture as well. And uh, it's talking about Jezebel. And uh, Jezebel is a woman that lived way back in Elijah's time uh, in the Old Testament. But here he's referring to someone else in the New Testament period of time that was in the, in the, the church of the Thyatira which is one of the churches, seven churches of Asia. And this woman that was in Thyatira was affecting the people of God and was bringing uh, temptations and doctrines into their lives that were causing them to lose out with the Lord. I won't get into the details on it, but here's what the Lord says about it. And I'll read verse 20 so that we'll understand. And then I'll go to 21. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel. Jezebel was a woman that lived in the Old Testament. This is another one that he refers to and calls her Jezebel because she has the same spirit, which uh, calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Now, she was saying that this woman in the church was doing the wrong thing and the church was allowing her to do that. Now, look what it says in the next verse, and this is what, where we're going in, in this allotted time uh, 
subject here this morning, uh, this evening. And verse 21 says, and I gave her space to repent. Look at that. And I gave her space to repent. As mean as she was, and as scheming as she was, and as wicked as she was, I gave her space to repent. And I looked at that verse and I think, God, how merciful you are to us. Amen. Even though this woman was a wicked, sinful person, God gave space. He gave a time for her to repent of what she was doing and turn to God and get right and make everything right with the Lord. And when I read it, I was touched by the fact that God is so full of grace and so full of mercy and so full of kindness that if we're not careful, we can take advantage of God and his kindness and his mercy and think that it will always be that way, but it won't always be that way. And you said this to her, he said, I gave her space to repent for her, of her fornication and she repented not. She didn't, she never changed. She never turned from her ways. And then he went on to say how that he would judge her for her wickedness. Now, I've, I've used that to let you know that God gives a space and a time for all these things. Now, I want to talk to you about time a little bit. The word time in the Bible, this is number one here. And I want to go to a part A here. Various ways that the word time is used in the Bible. Where various ways it's used in the Bible. And I want you to stay with me because I've got some good things to talk to you about here tonight that I feel like will be a blessing to each and every one of us. Go to Galatians 4.4 4 for just a moment in your Bible. Galatians 4.4. 4. And uh, this is a scripture here that talks about what we call the fullness of time. 4.4 4 says, but when the fullness of time was come, the fullness of time, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Now, before I go any further, let me just say this. This is the way that this scripture is explained by a lot of people, okay? The father says to the son, you go down now. They're both in heaven. There's three separate and distinct persons the Trinitarian doctrine claims. And the father says to the son, you go down now and you go down into the world and you redeem mankind. Okay? And that's the way that it's presented. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. So he said, you go down now and you do that. This is not what it means at all. What it's saying when the father sent the son into the world, he didn't say, you go down, I'm staying up here, you go down. It was the Spirit of God in Christ sending him out into the world like this. He was already a grown man. The Spirit sent him out into the world. And I'll show you another scripture here to verify that in a moment. Two more scriptures. Uh, Jesus, you know, spoke about that and uh, how the Lord said, he told his disciples, as the Father hath sent me into the world, so send I you into the world. In other words, they go out into the world to witness to people, to evangelize, and to bring them to the Lord and to see them get saved. It's not from there down here. 
it's down here out there. Well, Brother Myers, that's sort of straight. No, 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 it is not. No. I want you to go with me to Mark. This is not in your scriptures here, but let me have you go to, uh, to Mark 1, 14, 1, 14. And this is concerning the, uh, the ministry of John the Baptist. And then Jesus, look at 14, 1, 14 of Mark. And it says, now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into, the, into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. The time is fulfilled. The same thing that he said over here, and when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son into the born of woman and, and born of the law into the world. Praise the Lord. So this is how God sent the son into the world by the Spirit sending him out into the world. Praise the Lord. And of course, that scripture that says, as the Father sent the Son, so send I you into the world. Now, uh, let me also have you go to Ephesians for my, that's also in our scripture there, Ephesians. I just wanted to emphasize that, that scripture so that nobody thinks that it was three separate distinct persons in the Godhead. Uh, Trinity doctrine, I won't get into this tonight. One day maybe I'll give you a real detailed, thorough study on it. But Trinity doctrine claims that God is three separate distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, co-equal, co-eternal, and uh, co-existent. Never was there a time that one was above the other, never shall there be a time that one shall be. Never was there one above the other, never shall be a time that one shall be below or above the other. Never shall be a time that one exists and another does not exist. They're co-equal and co-equal and everything. I won't try to quote to you the Athanasian creed right there, but what I am trying to say to you here, it doesn't make sense for a father and a son. A father is always before the son, right? It say brothers, but it says that they, they say the father and the son is like the father and the son are co-equal, co-existent. Never was there a time that one was before the other. A father's always before the son. You know, it, the, the language even doesn't fit in. Well, I won't go any further with that. I'm just saying that's their words and everything. But it, I'm just saying that this is why that some of the religions of the world look at Christianity through Catholicism and through the Trinity doctrine, and they say that that, that can't be right. It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even even the, the, the language of it doesn't even add up right. And so they just push it off until an apostolic movement comes along or message or gospel, praise the Lord, and then they get their hearts turned around. That's why we're seeing a lot of Egyptians. Did you know that? We're seeing a lot of Egyptians saved lately. And I thank God for that. Let me move on here with this. Look at, look at we're in uh, Galatians there. Go to Ephesians now. This is Ephesians uh, 1.10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are on earth, even in him. Now, this is speaking of the Gentiles and the Jews all being saved, all of us being saved together. This is what happened when Jesus came. He brought the gospel not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. This was whenever Jesus' ministry was over with, earthly ministry, which was to the Jews primarily. And then when that was over and he was getting ready to leave and go into heaven, he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. Lo, I'm with you always. You know, uh, and he said, he that's re re 
uh, he that repents is baptized shall be saved. And uh, he, that is, is, he that is not shall be damned. So he's saying that I'm now opening it all up to the Gentile world. And the Bible talks about this being the times of the Gentiles. Praise the Lord. So I'm just saying, folks, anybody can be saved now. It's like the door has been thrown wide open. And the Lord says, I don't care who you are, Jew, Gentile. I don't care whether you're black or white. I don't care whether you are north or south or east or west. It doesn't matter to God. He is interested in saving us. We're all equal and alike to him. And he wants us to save, wants to save us. And this is the time of salvation. And that's what Ephesians here has said. In the dispensation of the fullness of time, it has come, it came when Jesus came, the fullness of time, and it's still here today. But it's only for a season. It won't always be like this. It will have its run its course, and one day it will be all over with, and I'll get to that later on in our scripture here this, uh, tonight. So he says that uh, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, go to number two here. Jesus talked about my time. We're talking about time here, the times in the Bible. Jesus said, my time is not yet come. Look at John 7, 8, if you would. John 7, 8. <clears throat> Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to read the sixth verse. And uh, what I have in your scripture. Well, I have John 7, 6, yeah. I'm going to read 6, 7, and 8, all three of those verses. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come. Now Jesus here, ironically, is speaking to his brothers, his, his fleshly brothers, his, his half-brothers, the children of Mary and Joseph. If you read those previous verses there, they were all trying to get him to go to Jerusalem. And they said, We're going down to the feast. And he said, I'm not going. You go. I'm not going this time. My time has is not yet come for me to do that because jesus knew when he went to judea and began to preach and do the work of the messiah there that there would be a rise up of those jews and that they would reject him and he knew that and he said my time has not yet come for that so now it says in verse six then jesus said unto them that was his 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 brothers now you can read those previous verses three and four and they will tell you that my time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but me it hated because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Now look at verse 8. Go ye up unto this feast. I go not up yet until, uh, unto this feast, for my time is not yet full come. So I'm just pointing out to you here that his time was not yet come for him to reveal his, who he was and knowing that they would reject it and that they would be battling him and fighting him for it from there on until finally they crucified him. So we're just giving you here expressions and words in the Bible we're talking about the time. Now I'm going to go to number two here very quickly here. And uh, I want you to look, I mean, number three here. Uh, the time of my departure. This is Paul talking. And I'll make a very quick statement here, real quick. And this is Paul talking when it was time for him to leave. And uh, he was writing to Timothy, 2 Timothy, the last book Paul ever wrote. He was in prison in Rome and uh, was up for execution because he was a Christian and believed in Christ. 
and uh, they were persecuting them at that time. And uh, he says in verse 6, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. The time of my departure. So Paul knew that. Also, ironically, Peter states the same thing in Peter's last epistle that he wrote, which is Second Peter. And he states in there that he said, I am aware that my time is up and that I must be leaving now. And he knew that they both knew that it was time for them to go home to be with the Lord in glory. Praise the Lord. Now, let me move on here. I want to talk to you about this subject of time. I'm going to go to B here, and I'm going to get into some very interesting things here. So stay with me. Look at B here. What mankind must know about God's allotted time. Here's what we've got to know about God when he gives us allotted time. So if you look in Genesis, if you would, with me very quickly here. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3. 6 3 is right there in your notes. <clears throat> and the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, and his days shall be in 120 years. Now he says, My spirit shall not always strive with man. God has said he will not always strive with man and be patient. Let's go back to that woman that was like Jezebel back over in the, this mentioned in the book of Revelation there in the, uh, the, in the Laodicean church. The woman Jezebel, God gave her space to repent. What a merciful thing for God to do. But he will not always do that. But there's a time, there's a space, there is an opportunity that he will give everyone a chance to come to him and be saved. The mercies of God are there. But it says that it will not always be there. So from by, by this scripture, we know that God has given us an allotted time, and that time will not always be the way it is. I'm going to go to A here very quickly here because I want to get into some things here. And that is the, the, the uh, inherent nature of man. Man is born to worship and serve God. Folks, understand this very closely. And if you don't hear anything else I say right now, listen to what I'm saying. Man was born to worship and serve God. There's not another creature on the face of this earth that is born to worship God. Your dogs, you may love your dog, but he won't worship God. You may love horses, but they don't worship God. You might like, you might like the animals of the jungle, the lions and the tigers or whatever, the elephants. They don't worship God. They have no knowledge of God. They have no knowledge whatsoever. There's no knowledge there. God has not given that to But he's given it to us. He's given it to the human race. And God has given us the knowledge of him, and, he has, and you can have the knowledge of him by looking at the stars. The Bible says those are his handiworks. These are his signature. You know somebody created that, so there's a God. You call on him, he'll make himself known to us. He'll reach out to us. Praise the Lord. And so God, praise the Lord, wants us to know that he exists and he wants us to worship him. The angels of heaven worship the Lord. Man likewise should worship the Lord because we understand that we are created and made by him. We have our existence because God gave us our existence. We would even be a nothing. We would be a nobody if God had not given us life in this world. Just think about it. Hey, praise the Lord. And God wants us to have eternal life beyond this life. 
And the way we do that is to come to him, give our hearts and soul to him, walk with him, live for him, praise him, worship him, glorify his name. And one day he's going to take us home to be with him in glory. Praise the Lord. So God, praise the Lord, wants us to know that we are to worship him and glorify God with all of our hearts and that he is always extending his hand out to us to help us to come to him and to know him and to find him. Now I'm going to go to the, 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 the parable of the prodigal son. I want you to turn with me to Luke uh, 15, if you would, in your Bibles. Luke 15. Luke 15. And the, uh, in the 11th verse, it says, A certain man had two sons, and the youngest son said to his father, Father, give me my portion of the goods, and I fall to me. And he divided unto him his living. Not many days after, the younger man gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there I wasted his substance, wasted his substance. It's all said here in just three verses. Wasted his substance with riotous living. In other words, this young man had nothing left. The word prodigal is not a, it's not a Bible word. It's not even in the Bible. It doesn't, no place it says that this is the prodigal son. The word prodigal is a French word that comes from Latin uh, that means uh, somebody who was a waster. They waste, they, they especially... Uh, an, an inheritance. They waste it. They, they, they throw it all away. They just uh, have no value, put no value to it. And so this fits him to the T. Now look at verse 14 with me. And when he had spent all that, that all, that, when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. You know what swines are? They're hogs. It's pigs. Jews don't eat. They don't even eat pigs. They don't. They don't keep pigs. They don't swine. They don't. They don't cultivate them. They don't. They don't fatten them up and grow them because they don't eat pork. Jews don't eat pork. This was a Jewish kid in the Bible, and everything, and he. So after he spent everything and he was in a far country, the guy gave him some food to go feed pigs, things that he himself just, I mean, wallowing in the mud, they're sloppy and just, they'll eat next to garbage and all that kind of stuff. I won't, I won't get into the details on it. I mean, pork's all right, but I'm just saying here, uh, this was for him. And whenever he got into this kind of a situation, this was what he was doing. And look at verse 16. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And he was so hungry that he had nothing. And folks, any of us can get there and there may be some of us there even tonight under the sound of my voice. If not in this auditorium, maybe on, on, the, on the TV, whatever. I'm just saying we can be there, but I want you to know there is an answer. There is an answer. Praise the Lord. And here's what this prodigal son said. And it said, verse 17, and when he came to himself, that's what we all have to do is come to ourselves. He said, you know what? This is, just, this is just not where I belong. This is not me. This is not, this is not, this is not where I should be. This is not it. When he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's house, I'm in verse 17, have bread enough 
and to spare, and I perish with hunger. Look at verse 18. He concludes here. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Yes, amen, he did. And and that's a good thing that he said, I'm going to do it because that's exactly where I am. And verse 19, and am no more worthy to be called by, called thy son. Make me one of thy hired servants. That was the most he could ask for. I'm not worthy to be one of your, your, uh, your sons. Just not worthy. Now, this was where he came to, and his spirit and his attitude was perfectly right to feel that way. Now, let me just say this to all of us. None of us had a right. We're like the prodigal son. You know, none of us had a right. You may think, well, I did. No, no, you didn't either. No. I, I, Sometimes I think about my background, my people, my family. I, I was born in Pensacola, Florida. Brother D.L. Welch came from way over in Louisiana, preaching all through Mississippi and came in that area there and started threw up a tent and started preaching and everything. And my grandmother had, my, I had an aunt that had epilepsy and my grandmother took her to this healing meeting, you know, trying to find some answers for her and healing for her and so forth. And in doing so, some of them started getting saved in the family. From there, it went from one to another and another to my dad's family. Some of them got into the church and got saved until it was just a lot of my relatives. I didn't, some of them, I didn't even hardly know who they were. Somebody said, that's your second cousin. That's your, first, that's your distant cousin. You know, somebody like that. And that church got saved and everything. And I was just a boy growing up in there, you know, and, and I, didn't, I went to Sunday school and so forth. But I think about it. Just think, now think with me. I think about it. And sometimes I'm just driving along in my car or I'm just sitting at my desk at home or I'm sitting out on my patio and I'm looking out, you know, over the, the, the backyard and all that stuff. And I'm sitting there and I think, God, what right did I have? What right did, did my people have? We, we were nobodies. We were just working people, you know? Just laborers, farmers, or fishermen, or whatever they were. And I'm just trying to say to you here today, that's where all of us were. And we have to be honest with God, excuse me. <coughs> be honest with God and say, God, I was nobody. And I, I am not worthy. This is what grace is all about. Grace is God saying, I favor you when we are unworthy of his favor. That's what grace is all about. It's the unearned or unmerited favor of God upon us. And we had no right to. We couldn't say Abraham's my father. Oh, I have Abraham to my father. No, I couldn't. And most of you, I'm sure, couldn't. There may be somebody here that could say that. But most of us can't. And so we were nobodies. We were nothing. Praise the Lord. But God, in his grace and in his mercy, and in his kindness, opened that door and reached out to us and sent his spirit. And we felt it. That means to, it was meaning that he was dealing with us. He was saying, I love you. I want you to be saved. I want you to be mine. I want you to come to me. 
And some of us sit back and we did this and we fought it and we did this and we did that and all that kind of stuff, you know. You know what I'm talking about, you know. And it's like the fellow said, he walked in the back door and he sat down in the back and, and he saw people shouting around and he said, that preacher got up and he looked right down at me and pointed right to me and told everybody everything about me. <laughs> Actually, the guy was just preaching a sermon about sinners being saved and he, that was, he was one of them. But to him, that guy was preaching right at me. And then he said, you know, went to the altar, got saved, and, and at midnight he was speaking in tongues. Now, I'm just saying how God's grace and his goodness is to us. Praise the Lord. That was, is because it was our hour. And God loves us, and he has given us all of these favors and everything. And this prodigal son knew that he was not a hog, and he also knew he wasn't a monkey. You, you with me? He knew he wasn't a monkey either, that it evolved into a human being. He knew that. He said, I'm going to go back to my father. I know where it all came from. Folks, it all comes from God. I don't care how far you wander away from the Lord. I don't care how far you may wander away. That's where you come back to, always back to the Father. Jesus has got it all, and he's waiting. He's waiting, and he wants to save whoever will turn to him. Praise the Lord. That's the beautiful thing about the Lord. Let me finish reading here. He says, uh, Now 21st verse, Son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and no more worthy to be called thy son. But the Father said, the Father here represents God, looking for us, wanting us to come to him, waiting for us to come. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the, uh, the, the best robe and put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found and they began to be merry. Now, I'm just pointing out to you here that he said in his heart, I'm gonna rise and go back to my father and say, father, I'm not worthy. When he got there, he, that's exactly what he said. Father, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And I want you to know here today, folks, that God loves his people. He wants us to be saved. And the Lord, praise the Lord, wants us to walk with him. And he has that door open to us at all times. Uh, he knew what direction to go. I have talked to you about that. Uh, he knew his uh, unworthiness. I've talked to you about that. Uh, D here. I want to just say one thing here, and I've got it in your notes there. The membership of this church, listen to me closely here. The membership of this church will always welcome anyone into this congregation. I don't care if you're listening to me on the internet. Let me just say this. If you want to be saved, this is a church that will open their arms to you. Praise the Lord. We know what God does. We know what God can do. We know how God operates. We know how God works because God can save. God will save. God is not backward about saving. Praise the Lord. He knows that we're not worthy. He knows we're unworthy to be saved. Praise the Lord. I uh, want to tell this little story here. I could tell more than one story like this. But years ago, many years ago, maybe 25, 30 years ago, a young lady in our church was teaching a home Bible study. Can you hear me? Okay. She was teaching a home Bible study to uh, 
these two, two brothers and one of them's wife, they, one of them had a wife, and he had a Bible study going with him. They were a rough crowd, real rough. And she was teaching the home Bible study, and she got on right on down. Finally, the brother stopped her in the middle of one of her teaching sessions, teaching home Bible study, and said, let me ask you a question. Will God save us? Will God save us? Can God save us? She says, yes. How do we know that? I mean, I don't know if God even cares anything about us. How do I know God loves me? How do I know God can save us? I mean, God, maybe the, a lot of people can get saved, but I don't know about us. Now, this really happened. This is truth. And uh, she says, I'm going to have my pastor come and talk to you. And she says, in the next Bible study, he'll come out and teach you the Bible study. Then you can ask him any questions you want to. That was me. So I was still pastor then. And so she told me, I said, okay, I'll go. I went to that, went to their house. First time to ever meet them and everything. I sat down. I picked up where she left off for teaching the home Bible study. And they stopped me in the middle of it. And they said, pastor, we want to ask you a question. Can we get saved? Will God save us? Can we come into your church? Will it be all right if we come to your church? We, if, can we walk in the doors? I said, not only can you walk in the doors, but I want to see you there Sunday morning. This Sunday morning, I want you to come. Now, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to sit in the back like you probably will, feel comfortable there. And they're going to be singing and so forth. You'll feel some goosebumps. A little later on, I'm going to preach. And during the preaching, you're going to feel goosebumps and something just coming all over you. I said, that will be the Spirit of God. And the I told him that. And the presence of the Lord. That will be the Spirit and the presence of God on you. And by that, you will know that he loves you and he wants you to be saved. I said, now, when I'm through preaching, I'm going to say, Everybody who wants to come forward, come down to the altar now and pray, and God will give you what you need. And I said, that's when you get up and come down to the front, and people will stand around you and pray with you. They said, they will actually do that with us? I said, yes. And I said, they'll pray with you. And I want you to be there Sunday. I'll be looking for you. I got there Sunday. Sure enough, they were sitting right back there in the back, back, back row. Every service went just like I said. I preached. When I got through preaching, they came down to the front seat, the front row. They lifted their hands and started worshiping God, and two of them received the baptism of the Holy Ghost that morning. That was the brother and the wife of the, the, the other man. The other man himself received the Holy Ghost uh, a few weeks later in one of the services. You know, They received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They're still in the church today. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm not going to tell you who it is. But if you knew, you'd say, no, I can't believe these people were never not a Christian. Oh, yes, they were. They were at one time never a Christian. So was I. So were you. Praise the Lord. It's the grace of God, folks. It's the goodness of God. And if you were to see them today, you'd say, my Lord, the pastor talked about you. And you know, and I won't say anything else. I won't say nothing, I promise. But anyhow, they're in this church today. They're walking with God. They have been, what, I like the word star members, you know, <laughs> or the, the black people use that phrase, I love it. 
I'm a star member of that church. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You are too. All of you walk with God. You're a star member of this congregation. Praise the Lord. And uh, so anyhow, they're star members of this church. And so are you folks out there. God love you. Praise the Lord. But we're here by the grace of God and the goodness of God. And we are all unworthy, just as unworthy as that prodigal son. But God's grace and his love and his time for us to come to him to be saved was extended unto us. Everybody say praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to go to part three here. Salvation is today. Today. I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians 6 and uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. Uh, let me find it here. I lost it. Praise God. Hang on a second. Okay. Here we go. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. And I want to say this to anybody who is not where you need to be with God, folks. Don't put it off. Whoever you might be, don't put it off. You're on the sound of my voice. Now is the time of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. The, the, the ark of the door is wide open. Noah's ark, the Lord put Noah in the ark. And that ark door stayed wide open. He, everything, the animals, all his family, everybody went in that ark. And the Lord left the door wide open. It wasn't closing like that like a little okay little I can barely squeeze in that's not the way it is I sound like inner sanctum don't know something <laughs> that door is wide open wide open that's the door of salvation it's just as wide open today as it was on the day of Pentecost wide open anybody can be saved I don't care who you are where you are what your background is where you came from what you're facing God is all power Praise the Lord. He can help you to overcome alcoholism. He can help you to overcome drugs. He can help you to overcome a past life that you think is impossible to ever get over. Forget all of that. Jesus is everything. And he is all power to help us, praise God, to walk with him and serve him and live for him. And that door of the ark stayed wide open for seven days after they got in. Anybody could have gotten saved until finally the door was shut. And that door is not shut yet. And we're in that allotted time to be saved. God has given us that allotted time. Thank you, Jesus. And we have it. We have a chance to be saved. And God wants us to be saved. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, go to number one here. There is a, a many people who have a secret hungry for, a hunger for God. I'm looking at three here, A, and then number one. Many are secretly hungry for God. Praise the Lord. They want the Lord. And I'm going to go to Zacchaeus here. Look at Luke 19, 1. Luke 19, 1. 
Well, where is it? Praise God. Here we go. There we go. Luke 19, 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 2. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was a chief among the publicans. Publicans were tax collectors. There were Jews who worked for the Roman government. And they were despised and hated by all the Jews because they collected taxes from the Jewish people and gave it to the Roman government. And he was a chief, public, a chief among the publicans, and he was rich. Most of them were rich because they always siphoned a little money off the top or something. Most of them did. They didn't all do that. And he sought to see Jesus, verse 3, who he was, and could not for the press, a lot of people pushing Jesus all around him, because he was little of stature. He's a small-built guy. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. He thought, when Jesus comes by, I'll get to see him and really get a look at him and see who this guy is that everybody is wanting to see and get close to. Verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, look what the Lord said to him. Look what the Lord said to him. He, he, he passed by, never seen Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had never seen him. He looked up at the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must abide at thy house. I'm going to go to your house. I'll spend the night there tonight. Now, this is, this is a, a little bit of additional information for all of us. And that is that in, among the Jews back then, when someone said they were going to your house and they were going to be with you and spend the night with you, they, they invited themselves. They were usually an angel from heaven or they were a very well-known prophet or even God manifest in flesh in angelic form. And they knew that that happened, you know, with Abraham. It happened with Lot when he went, when he was in, you know, the angels came there. And so they believed that. And so Jesus says to this man, oh, we have this climbed up in the tree now and he's a publican and he's disliked by everybody. He said, Zach, just come down. I'm going to your house. And man, it freaked out everybody. They all just, what in the world? Look at verse 6, and he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But if you read the rest of it, the other people, all those Pharisees, Sadducees, what? don't they know this guy's a sinner? And he's going to his house? You know, I mean, he's supposed to be like divine and all that stuff, and he doesn't know this guy's a sinner? Sure he knows it. He knows everything about him. He also knows he's hungry. He's hungry for God. And I'm saying here today, God knows when we are hungry for him, folks. And even after you're saved, even after you're saved, there are times that you just got to get close to God and you've got to get hungry for the Lord. And you've got to draw nigh unto him and you've got to push in there. Praise the Lord. And God will not push you back. He wants you to come unto him. <coughs> These old trees are giving off that pollen and making me a little bit. <coughs> but the Lord wants us, praise the Lord, to know that he wants us to have salvation. Now I'm going to finish up here and I'm going to go to part B here very quickly and wrap this up. God will not always 
be open to us. Our time is running out. Excuse me a minute here. Now, I'm very quickly here, go to Luke 21, 24. I'm going to close out here. <clears throat> Luke 21, 24. Praise God. This is speaking about the Jews. They shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. This is talking about Israel. This is Jesus prophesying about what would happen <clears throat> with Israel when they reject him. They be uh, fall by the edge of the sword, shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until, look at, look at that, the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. The times of the Gentiles is going to be fulfilled. Today is the times of the Gentiles. We Gentiles, now the gospel is preached unto us. We can be saved. But it will come to an end. God is telling us that. It will come to an end. Now, I'm going to give you another verse of scripture in the book of Revelation. Don't forget this one, whatever you do. We're talking about God's allotted time. <clears throat> Look in Revelations chapter 10, verse 6. Revelations 10, 6. Praise God. And swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heavens and the things that therein are in the earth and the things that are therein are in the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. God's going to finish up time. Time is man-made, you know. It's not godly made. God doesn't need time. God, time means nothing to God. Time, God has no need of time. But time is a man-made thing. It's a man-made thing based upon God's creation, creation of the sun, the moon, you know, everything evolving and revolving around, uh, around each other and everything. I think that's in be there. God will always be our time is running out. And he evolves around this, the earth, goes around, you know, years and so forth, all of that. All of that, praise the Lord, is given unto us that we might have a time that we might know how much time we have. We have. Time is for us. Praise the Lord. The earth goes around the sun every 365 days. Uh, what is it? I don't know. Six, six, what, six, six hours? Yeah. Six hours, uh, 48 minutes. And 46 seconds, I think is the right thing. I think got it. Not really 46, it's 45.51. Now that's exact, that's not about right, that is right there. That's how long it takes the, the, the earth to go around the sun, you know, revolutionary. That's one year. Yeah. When, the men, when they sent men to the moon, man sent the moon, they didn't send the men to the moon where the moon was. They sent the man to the moon where it would be in two and a half days. You know what I'm talking about? Because that moon moves, the earth moves. They figure all that stuff out. I'm just saying to you folks, praise the Lord, man has developed time by all of these things revolving around us, our years, our months, our days, all of those kind of things, our seasons. But God has no need for time. 
And can I just say this, if we would use our time on this earth properly, one day we will be like the angels of heaven. We will have no need of time with God either. Praise the Lord. Amen. And God is wanting every one of us to be saved. Let's, it, it is, it, it, we know too much to be lost. And for anyone who might be under the sound of my voice, find the Lord. This church is an excellent place to come to God. These people will help you. They'll open their arms to you. And the gospel will be preached to you. Not watered down, but the pure gospel will be preached. You can be baptized in Jesus' name, filled with his spirit. And God will give you joy and happiness in your soul and spirit. And you'll have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Aren't you glad you know the Lord? Let's stand together and let's just give him the praise and the glory right now. And let's just thank him for his goodness. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you for all things, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you, Lord, for the allotted time you have given us. We Gentiles in this world, on this earth, that you've given us that we might be saved. And God, we ask you, Jesus, to bless everybody in this audience here tonight. Help us all, Lord, to reach out to others that they may be saved. We thank you, God, for your love, your goodness, your grace, your mercy, and your kindness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen.